0: Alto University Podcast.
1: This is Cloud Richards. I'm Tommy Coopin, and I'm today here with
0: Belen Prado.
1: Excellent! I'm so happy to talk to you right now.
0: Ah, oh, thank Thanks you for, for having me.
1: You. <laughs> thank yeah, you. This is awesome. <laughs> hey, how are you doing in these absolutely crazy challenging times?
0: Um, well, I'm I'm actually doing great. I mean, I'm ending up this very strange year in the best possible manner. Um, like working on, on my film. Um I actually come from Buenos Aires and got a DAD grant. Um it's uh, the Deutsche Akademische Austauschdienst. Um and therefore, I pursue my doctoral studies um, at the University in, in Lüneburg, Germany. So, yeah, we, we are speaking from very different corners <laughs> right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing? I mean, I'm in uh, Alto University in Espoo, Finland, and you are in Lüneburg in, in Germany. And uh, even if it's this crazy pandemic times, we can still have a conversation.
0: yeah. Well it is I I think this is something um uh, this point is worth emphasizing because um I think it is amazing at some point how the whole digital environment bridges such um unexpected encounters or guests. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I think um it is quite impressive um also like the the fact that we will all remember for a short time this um historical disruptive moment. Um like I don't know if this is like this, but it's getting really close to kind of the William Gibson cyberspace um dystopia. Like, you know, this kind of uh cyberpunk dystopia where people are wearing helmets, masks, and the, uh, the streets are completely empty. Like right now, um right here in Germany, started today the um, the the very strenuous um lockdown. Um, so everything is closed and kind of that the atmosphere is that the human becomes the threat, you know, and so you are more safe at home with your machines. And yeah, I think it's, it's a really kind of a living dystopia what we are um, experiencing right now. Um, but also at some points, I think uh, if we try to retrace it and analyze the, the COVID phenomena historically, it is quite difficult because... Um, for any disruptive phenomena in history, there are usually like a period of time afterwards where the situation has to manifest uh, in its whole mature sense. And therefore afterwards we we make analysis about it and think about this and come up with conclusions. But I would say like now it's pretty difficult to see the big picture and and say something clear about this, because um, it's like happening right now. So I think we need some time um, to think what is uh, happening and the whole digital environment and how it's changing the social experiences and and so on. So yeah, I think there is no need for like COVID books or... (laughs) Pandemic theories <laughs> right now. Yeah. I think, yeah, people are really yeah. like really writing books, publishing about the whole situation, and I really I kind of disagree. I think for any serious analysis, we have to give some time to think about it. But yeah, mm. but yeah, absolutely. I I, I I actually I don't know if I may interrupt now or. It's fine.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but please continue. This is fantastic uh, thoughts, what you said. And I was just uh, continuing with the same line of thoughts that, that uh, perhaps uh, what we can do now is to create these, uh, I don't know, shorter stories in the form of podcasts or videos or, I don't know, writings uh, of different kinds. And then later on, perhaps all of these are great materials for analyzing How was the pandemic era? Really, what do you think of that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's it sounds good Um, because it is. I mean, in fact, we have to, of course, um, uh, tie up some lines of thoughts and analysis. But um, it is also the fact that we have to kind of uh, maintain not so speculative, uh, but a little bit more realistic, and you know, like just. Live some time to to think about the process um, yeah that's
1: it <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hey, talking about stories, I would like to have in this podcast um, a deep dive to your um, well first of all your fantastic story and then also later on about the for the for your per- perception to AI artificial intelligence and and philosophy uh, but uh, can you share um to listeners uh about your story you mentioned that you are from buenos aires argentina but um, can you share um how is your story so so how did you um start publishing books and uh, how how did you end up doing a phd in uh, germany about philosophy okay. um,
0: well i think about the the the, the, the uh, yeah the, the fantastic story to share i mean um i think uh, there are many like nested uh paths along my my what is my my actual my actual and current situation. Um and at some pa- at some point I, I think all paths from poetry uh and my also my humanist studies um and all the ongoing work and knowledge on that I did on programming and AI as my specific research topic, everything converged for me. So it's kind of difficult to uh, spread it out and divide the, the how this path uh, kind of uh, started in my life. I actually, of course, uh, I would say like um, all my academic and artistic pieces are tied together at some point, and this is something that probably will be reflected on my current working process. Um, um, for people who are listening, yeah, they already know. Um, as I say, like I'm pursuing. Um, doctoral study here in Germany, and it's uh, about philosophy and AI. Um, For philosophy, I I take uh, much of the theoretical framework provided by Gilbert Simondon, who was a French philosopher of techniques, like from middle, the second half of the 20th century. And AI, I I trace it, uh, the evolution of models uh, along what is named as machine learning, But yeah, that's just like a little bit just to summarize uh, the picture. But as you say, I published also books um, as a child, (laughs) actually. Um, And of course, as a child, I already um, had a view of the world, I would say, like a model of the world that did not match with the standardized patterns from the kids of my age. Um, Because I published at a very early age, I was uh, 14 when I. When I published this first uh, poetry book, um, wow. <laughs> yeah just <which> I, wow. <laughs> I just I just don't know it's it's pretty strange also for me nowadays um, that I'm older, but afterwards I I published uh, one of the st- short story tales it's called a metaphorium but yeah, I mean I experienced uh poetry as kind of my entrance to interface with the world um because as I say. All the standardized patterns that I knew around my environment were not like me, just simply a stat. Um, so I think I, I poetry kind of opened up my 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 entrance to the words to to understanding to philosophical thinking as well. and um, I like to say actually that poetry is for me the best um, given representation for unknown patterns so I think this is the most uh, beautiful picture that I have to kind of to express um, how everything is uh, entwined. And yeah, and I mean, after my my bachelor, my master's studies, um, which I I had a formal formation on, um, on political science and philosophy. And afterwards I did uh, political philosophy as a master's studies. Um, and then I, in between, I started a bit of programming and I decided to, present this project. And of course, I've been quite fortunate and still feel completely thankful, you know, because of the opportunity of uh, pursuing my studies. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much the big picture of my research fields and so on. But I think you probably want to know, or maybe the big question is how I did, did I get into AI
1: or yeah, the topic, absolutely. No? And, you know, like more specifically, like how do you see also AI and, I mean, or artificial intelligence and, and philosophy, how they are connected in your mind and how do you think they should be perhaps even more connected? So, what is your take on that?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, firstly, um, on, on this road uh, route of how I did I get into AI, firstly, I Met some people who are re- we really they really support me were pretty much um, helpful um, and helped me to give sense to these ideas that I had um, around the algorithms and so on. Um, but then I actually my first take my first inspiration and my turning point was definitely the Stanley Kubrick's movie uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Um, that was my first kind of uh, awakening, would I say? to the AI field. Um, so, yeah. And then how this, uh, how the AI, how f- or artificial intelligence um, or philosophy at large are connected. Well, that, my sense, it um, seems to me like um, this is a very interesting but at the same time a complicated question to address because um, both of the fields, uh, I think both of them play like... Um, the most important battlefield of all, which is the mind. Um, so I think they encounter there uh, into that point, in that point. Um, but it's but it's been like a seven decade journey for AI to get here, and for philosophy, it's been like centuries of tradition. Um, so I think at at some point they're quite um, historically quite different, uh, but at the same time they both share, I would say, um, a common purpose which is to create models of reality, if you want to put it on those terms. Um, though they use uh, different means for compressing it. I mean, like, um, this is kind of the common orientation. They build up programs that help to make sense um, in a way to of reality. So they commonly share the evolution of these models, which can be tracked on different notions like intelligence, reasoning, and so on. And for, yeah, computer scientists and people working on, on the field of AI, um, I think they trace also this uh, evolution of models into what it's, I, I don't know, like neuro-symbolic reasoning, computer visions, uh, robotics, and whatever. <laughs> so I think they mm, are quite yeah. intertwined and, on and this uh, this idea of creating models to explain reality. Um Yeah. And, and, and of course, philosophy has uh, fundamental notions that are associated and allow understanding the principles and foundations that govern uh, most of the empirical phenomena. Like any cutting-edge uh, technology would fit in there. Um, there is, a, I think, a kind of an also overhype um, around AI and um, and many different aspects of, or, or techniques of it, Um but I think it's, it's, most, uh, it's more worthy to think about the fundamental notions that are behind it. Um, the, uh, basically on the very epistemological roots of computation and so on. Um, yeah, but, I, but uh, yeah, I mean, historically it's been like, I think it, um, most of the ideas starting to be grounded um, seminally in philosophy and they were later formalized in mathematical logic, you know, bull and so on. Mm-hmm. And then later, yeah, it came out with uh, computation thanks to Alan Turing. So this is a little mm-hmm. bit, I think, uh, the path um, and the, 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 the large um, chain of uh, common, common purpose. Oh, I think I got open the WhatsApp uh, mm-hmm. platform, sorry. Yeah, um, great.
1: Great uh, wrap-up. I'm also thinking about modal logic, I mean, different uh, systems of logic, I mean, those have also roots in philosophy, and then they have been kind of transferred to, I mean, the to, uh, to use uh, computers and AI basically to kind of implement these, those uh, systems.
0: yeah. Yeah yeah mm-hmm. but i think i, I think uh, one of the topics that i am actually engaged with and i i think it's uh, interesting to think about it's um well maybe it's not problematic but maybe it's a biased view that we are nowadays um um sharing about ai and philosophy and it's that most of the of the of the people i listen to or follow or um research on the field, um, they mostly consider that the best model of reality is the one which is a product of the human representation um, of the world. And this actually privileges, um, I think, the human being over any other entities and leaves out like many other types of relations and mediations. Like, I, like this type of relation mediations that are created between machines um, and this is something completely interesting to think about. Um, there is a philosopher called uh, Luciano Floridi, who is very well known uh, in the field of philosophy of techniques um, and works at the Oxford University and calls this phenomena hyperhistorical condition. Like there was no time in history previously where we could think about information processes like being... Um, process and and, 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 and shared between machines um, it's something radically new at some point and and it implies of course a profound cultural changes because it's produced by the machines so yeah, but it's not mm-hmm. like but but I, but I think it is this kind of um, r- romanticist humanist view um, of I don't know, like, we have the best model of reality uh, above any entity, and therefore we would try to create this idea of AI as resembling the human brain. I think it's um, just leading the energy to the wrong path. Because <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. cause it's mm-hmm. reasoning, I mean, reasoning, intelligence, all these um, capabilities that we have, and they are not, like, just... We think about... Uh, the intelligence as something cropped into the human brain, but it's actually, I would say that the point is radically different. Um I warmly personally embrace uh Stigler's view. Stigler, Bernard Stigler is a French philosopher who actually also follows this Simon or Simon Don's approach, and he actually passed away some months ago. And and he had a very interesting view that the human evolution is largely like a result of processes of technical externalization, um, which is, I think, also marvel- marvel- marvelously represented in the scene of uh, Space Odyssey, where, where you see the moon watcher, you know, the pre-human hominid that discovered the bone, the extension, the, the externalization, the very instrumentality, and then he throw it away and the bones transform into a space station. Where there's the key mm-hmm. figure uh, nine thousand. So this is actually, I think, the, the 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 way that I approach personally, and this is my perspective, along with uh, others who also mentioned this example, like Bruno Latour, Blanco, who was my mentor in Argentina, and um, Daniel Dennett, um, philosopher of mind. This is uh, the the whole approach of artificial intelligence and philosophy may not be on. The idea that was imposed by the Turing test of equaling or resembling human and machine, I think it's um it's on the other way. the technique the technology is the actually the cost of human evolution um, and so putting the cost in the place of the effect would probably not be i think the smartest way to think about ai I think the also machines have. Many other properties rather than thinking um, so in, in that sen- in that sense i'm I'm very not um, sharing kind of the humanistic or a human centered approach of uh, AI nowadays
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> i think this, is, this is one of the
0: of the topics discussed nowadays
1: that's a that's a super interesting thought process and um and that uh, leads me to i mean um You know about explainable AI is that perhaps uh, something we we now humans start to think that okay well I mean AI is doing a lot of stuff and kind of we perhaps it's doing I mean it's likely doing uh, or it it is actually doing a lot of stuff that we don't anymore understand. Uh, For example, think about all the recommender systems. I mean, we go to a platform and then we get some media. Suggestions to actually use our time for I don't know watching or listening to something, uh, but it, that is essentially uh, that schedule or our day is planned by the machine. And now, of course, with the explainable AI, we try to or people try to understand that. Okay, well, how how do how do, how could AI explain what it is doing? What do you think about that? Well, I
0: think that there you are pointing to a very interesting uh, discussion because it is in fact um, that we are completely alienated. Um, I mean, we have no idea actually how the entire process of information is is working. Um, And this is a discussion that uh, I think hits AI where it lives because it is about the cultural of techniques. With what kind of culture are we producing? We produce kind of uh, subjects who use AI as sort of an instrument just to accomplish their goals, uh, which also fits pretty much with the consumist uh, society. Um, But we do not think about AI in terms of integrated into culture. Um, I wouldn't say understand it because that would be... That we would need like our entire life to think about like the processes and so on, but but understanding this, um, I would say the machine as something that is not displacing the human, it's not leaving the human out of the loop, but and it's not also like just an instrument, but it is a whole system. I think of AI not just as as an object or as an instrument, but at the whole system. Um, and it is
1: a system that produces its own mediations, its own relations. Um, yeah. Mm. Absolutely, and if he, uh, if, he, if AI gets all the time better in basically taking our attention and and or you know at least suggesting that our attention should be going to certain kind of I don't know media or information. Then, you know, what if it gets better all the time? What if our attention suddenly is, uh, I don't know, 16 hours per day?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> you, you mean like that kind to, of, uh, you mean like this kind of economy of attention that is um, kind yeah, of dry out from yeah, our exactly. data? Right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and uh, I, what if it's yeah. already happening? Or what if it has already happened? I mean, look at people around. Uh, now, especially, of course, in these pandemic times, I mean, people are all the time with their devices and uh,
0: yeah. and
1: uh, how many people even think, uh, you know, about the, I don't know, risks. But, yeah. I mean, I'm, of course, many people think, but, uh, but I'm at large, like, I mean, how,
0: yeah. how
1: people even realize how much they are using their time with AI. Yeah,
0: yeah. this is, I think, really, really super interesting point. Because... Um, Many times we, or I tend to read uh, on the newspapers and so on, like, oh, AI and the human and, the you know, post-humanist approaches and the whole transhumanism behind it. And if the machine will be so smart that it overcomes the human. Well, I think we're putting, again, too much energy into those kind of questions who are nowadays not possible with the data that we have um, or with the information that we have. But I do think that the whole economy of attention and the whole time that people spend with um, uh, AI is creating uh, a whole environment that will be used for machines. And this is, I think, the problematic point. Because we, like before our smartphones, uh, it, there was, there was no so much data around like creating patterns of behavior and so on. But nowadays, like we have really... I would say the technology embracing, embodying as closer as never to our body and creating data from it and creating, I would say, a whole environment that will finally be of of use for these machines who are, of course, getting also intelligence via our data. So this is, I think, Mm -hmm. I think this is something like uh, a new historical epistemological leap um, and I, I, like, I like one term that um, Ray Kurzweil, you know, this visionary AI um, mm. writer said, uh, he, he considered himself and one of his books like a patternist, um, someone that sees the patterns everywhere. And I think our society is uh, leading towards something like this. It's going to be kind of a society of clusters, society of um and organizing people, behavior, and kind of indexing everything according to the data that they create. So therefore I think now is the moment where we have to be completely um well aware of what we do online and what kind of data are we uh willing to create. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of ethical questions on Yeah,
0: and th- then it arises, I think, and mostly now in this, uh, as you say, pandemic times, the, the ethical questions uh, ahead, um, and how people are uh, are gonna face this ca- kind of responsibilities, because that's the other part of the of the coin. Uh, like everything looks very nice when it works for you, like technology is working and <laughs> everything, like seems to be a heading uh into progressive um capitalism like in a progressive form of capitalism and and maybe living out some old structures and 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 so on but at the same time it requires to be responsible people's um like people's ethical um, view about it um it's not like i, I I would say it's not like they just consume, but they should also, um, as I say, be aware of what they are creating with the data. Because uh, most of the times, I think they, um, people are are not considering properly what's artificial intelligence and what's the data that they create. Um, So they do not see uh, most of the time the, 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 the clear picture of the scenario. And I am actually I'm I'm not against the, you know, the proliferation of and the use of data, but I think at some point it's so centralized as we know uh, in some monopolies that it really it's an irresponsible use of it. So Mm -hmm. and it it really hits people's uh, mindset. Like mm. social
1: media, for mm. example, it's just one of the few. Yeah, yeah. And if it's, for example, uh, taking uh, most of our attention anyways, right? So it's, that's already kind of, kind of a question whether we actually want to give that control away to something. I mean, perhaps, I don't know if AI is thinking or if it's, uh, if it knows that it thinks, but certainly it's doing many things that kind of resemble like like systematic thinking to to prepare at least getting the attention from from the people yeah. towards something.
0: Yeah, and and, and really triggers um, attention in between because um, on the one side you look forward the the development of um, technology, but on the other side. You are aware of uh, the type of centralization that it creates Um, and I think that subjectivity or uh, the mediation as such uh, that people experience right now, it's completely different and it will be it will keep um, I think changing over these next decades. Um, People will really experience the machine as something completely different than it was, like, some decades ago. Um, I think, like, um, Stiegler, this philosopher I named uh, previously, he had a really interesting notion. Um, he said, like, 1993 is the year of um, of the digital turn, he said. Like, the whole, you know, networking infrastructure that the internet brought, uh, it also created a, a whole new way of exchanging and that as and the whole cultural implications within. Um, but I think that 2020, the 2020, the year of the pandemic time, will be the psychological turn. It will be, I, I think we all remember this time as the time that the whole digital environment finally had kind of a, would I say, a clear psychological impact on us. So this is something about to be to be analyzed, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, I, I think people will have to, at some point, start reflecting about their own subjectivity and how they got into, and how these new intermediations via algorithms are reshaping their realities. Um, so... Yeah, but Mm. I mean, I I was born in the mid-90s, so I'm not against people using their phones, of course not. (laughs) Like, I use it the whole day, of
1: course. (laughs) So this this is something like, yeah... Yeah, I I so no, know, but I mean, is it, um, it at the same time that I mean we should be? And this is, by the way, interesting to hear. Perhaps if there is li- there are listeners who are listening to this uh, conversation, like say five years from now or ten years from now, two thousand thirty or thirty-five or something like that, it would be interesting to then see their comments and hear their comments. Uh, how they how they how they see 2020, I mean, was it really a turning point? I, I agree with you, it, it will be seen as a turning point, but it will be also interesting to hear from the future people uh, how yeah, they uh, yeah. look at this era.
0: For sure. Um, for for yeah. those who are listening this uh, pouring water, um, this is matter, um, I'm, I'm drinking matter actually. Yeah, great, <laughs> yeah, just I'll, I'll, to, I'll take
1: a sip of water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just wanted to make that yeah. <laughs> clear.
1: Because I don't know how clean is the noise, but if yeah, if it our is heard, famous Argentinian mate. So
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's great. I have Italian water. I don't I don't say the brand, so that there's no commercial or anything. <laughs> Next time when we uh, when we chat, let's have a mate and espresso. So
0: yeah,
1: or some I mean either of them. And <laughs> <laughs> if you can have a, have a, have them together. But uh, hey, I want to ask you, uh, because I mean, now, of course, AI is is taking a lot of our time anyways, and we are using the phones anyways, and and laptops, and um, of course, um, um, you know, we have uh, hobbies, uh, works, and, and uh, studies, and so on. But uh, how do you think, uh, what do you think, uh, how can we in this era of AI and online, almost everything. How can we learn a new mindset or a habit? I mean, really.
0: Um, learn a new mindset. Well, I think um, this is a pretty interesting question because I, I wouldn't actually recommend anyone like to follow my my process of uh, how to create something. I have a very intertwined um as i said before um, interest um between philosophical thinking uh technological approaches about it um and of course also the 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 creative uh, crea- creative effort that i do with uh the literary vocation so it's not pretty not so clear to say this is the straightforward line to a new mindset i wouldn't i wouldn't say that um in 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 a very concrete term Um, but, but I think, um, at some point, if you want to learn something, you, um, it's just a decision to make. Um, I know that there are many variables and external factors that also interfere when taking a decision, but I think that every time that we do make a a decision for certain, it's, it's just a start, you know, like. You just mm-hmm. start with it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a simple decision. And in, mm-hmm. between, in between, of course, the whole method process, um, you, I personally, as I as I said, you have this uh, creative process and also like the research process. I have to deal with, a, I would say like two opposed intentions. One, which is kind of uh, Apollonian, uh, like from Apollo, the god. Which is the discipline, you know, the the rigorosity, being methodical, and on the other side is Di- uh, Dionysian. I'm, I'm spelling it terrible, probably <laughs> Dionysian. <laughs> you know, the, the the other god, which is yeah, the opposing yeah. force. The opposing force is like uh, it's the enthusiast, you know, the the the, uh, the creative. Um, that uncertain part of it. Um, and so you have to find the middle point in between, like be methodical, I would say, uh, when taking this mm-hmm. decision and, and trying to reach your goals, but also leave some place for your, your own intuition and, your own, and how to produce your own things. I think mm-hmm. there is no one straightforward line. Like, I think you have to find your way of, of doing things. Mm-hmm.
1: That's yeah. that's very very interesting and and um and uh, I connect uh 100% to that uh, kind of thinking but uh, perhaps, uh if you um can you walk me through your process uh, for researching or creating something new um especially from the starting point of view? i mean you shared um kind of the what is the what is what is your take on that but but where do you actually start if there are some listeners thinking that they they would like to study something, I mean, research something or create something new. Where where have you started or where do you typically start?
0: Um, Well, I think uh, there is something very important, which is uh, to place yourself into one perspective. Um, Like, it doesn't matter which philosophical movement uh, or what kind of school you are interested in. Uh, the point is, try to place yourself in, in, from one perspective and and from there start thinking about this because there are also many people on the field who are kind of playing around with notions, uh, avoiding the whole tradition that were previously uh, written about this. So there are many problems already tracked and I think the most interesting uh, researchers or people who actually think about problems on AI from the philosophical perspective have the one who um had considered the previous um the previous steps. So yeah I would I, I would recommend people to to again be in between the tension of um of tradition and on the other side feel free to 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 have this and do the creative effort to bring something new. Um, philosophy especially is, a, I would say, like a battlefield mainly because thinkers um, used to steal the fire, you know, from their predecessor and burn the whole place. So you also have to be well aware that you may become many critics uh, at the same time because um and that's pretty positive because it means that you are thinking differently and you are breaking up the pattern again <laughs> and and every that's... time every time someone really breaks up the pattern it's the creator it's someone with a really creative uh mindset um yeah. so yeah <laughs>
1: I've heard uh, quite a few times somebody said whoa that won't work forget that and then after a few years wow it actually worked out amazing
0: yeah I well it was my whole life like this people saying me oh no this is very difficult you know I just uh, started to uh, study Germany a uh, German sorry when I was uh, 15 actually. And people know why you're doing this, and actually, I also, as you know, um, because of a personal conversation, I also try with Finnish, but (laughs) but that wasn't possible at the end. But. I learned yeah. some just some well, expressions, you are but people always yeah.
1: come to come to Finland and, and study Finnish, or we to do it online. So I'll I'll be happy to help you. I mean, oh,
0: that will be really a, a, a dreamful feel
1: because I it's one of my dreams yeah. to go to Helsinki. Um Let's have a tandem. So I I don't know. I <laughs> learn Spanish and you'll learn yeah. Finnish. <laughs> uh, Spanish is uh, very high on my list, so I have you know, learn French and, and German and, yeah, yeah. and some I some mean, Italian perhaps well.
0: Well your background background in French will be of use, I think, for remembering words. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When when I, I I went to live in Paris uh, for three and a half months, uh, just to learn basically French and um work there a bit and um and, uh, and I did it. And I mean, I, I took one course at the university before that, but, uh, it was, I mean, it was, I don't know if it was enough to give me the basics, but, uh, but I, it worked pretty well. So, and I did s- kind of the same with, uh, German, although then I had studied two years German back at the primary, primary school, but, um, but yeah. uh, but it's, it's doable. And, uh, is it, um, why, why what um is it curiosity or is it um just being brave or how do you how do you think what what kind of gives you the energy to <laughs> go to unexplored territory what well, to learn new things or to yeah. study new things or create new things um
0: have to think a bit of this question um i mean i think the reason why I why I did it it's uh firstly when I started to approach the German language um from a very also early age, I um, of course the afterwards I left it for like I've been years without listening any German words, so um but I think it's uh of course are rooted in uh, the field of my studies because um german is like the second language for f- philosophers um um the first one is ancient greek and the second one is um german so i wanted to have this tool kind of uh, in my in my operative system <laughs> and in order to <laughs> I... think about you know like in those terms and understand finally some expressions, but yeah, I mean, living in my homeland and and, and, and and encountering a whole new environment around me with new people, new culture, everything, I think was the best twist uh, in my life because I
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of really embodied this idea that I have to remain open and receive new information and and adapt to it. Um, it's kind of to to in order to be functional, to be integrated um, in a new place. And I have been I have mm-hmm. been quite fortunate. I mean, I, I've been very well received in Germany. So, yeah. I don't know if I answered the question, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that was you actually answered my uh, because I had in mind that to also ask about the if you have a. Twisting your life for studies, and and you already kind mentioned of, that. I kind uh, of that.
0: answered that one, yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a beautiful because I, I, yeah. from a new environment, I actually changed my relation towards everything I have. Like, firstly, writing process. Like, it changed radically the way I write right now in comparison to what I did when I was in my homeland. So, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So it made you think differently, but also to act differently to to write differently
0: yeah completely um yeah and and i think wow. um yeah it's it's beautiful um I mean, I am someone that actually learned and forgets all the time as most of the humans you know <laughs> and, and this this uh, yeah. was something like i really had to be functional because everything depended on me I, like if i you know if if i do not cook i do not eat like just to be to put a, a really simple example like i really had to be completely responsible about my my options and decisions so it actually drove me to from different activities to be um like to be completely upfront about what i'm doing um and actually that also pervade the, the scenario of writing like i try to or i recommend to people to write honest and and actually let the message get across at some point that's the that's the whole idea um and previously as as like m- my writing was always like at the end, with some concerning about myself, and when I changed uh, the environment here in Germany, I, I realized like it's not about me actually. <laughs> I know that authors and writers are really self-referential, but it's about the creating, you know, some message that I could get across for the others. So this, I think, was quite radical uh, in my writing experience and the whole way that I proceed for. For almost everything I do.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's more important to communicate, to convey the message than to yeah. think about yeah, kind yeah. of yourself. Okay, Whoa. Well, what, I, <laughs> what yeah, do I do? And...
0: Completely. Yeah, completely. Because sometimes it drives really mental to, to be so overthinking about everything. And some, sometimes it's just about the message and just send the message and see what happens. Um, mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's uh, that's. I mean, it's it's basically. I mean, I so agree with you. It's uh, it's a secret to, I mean, writing communications, uh, running. I don't know any any project. Basically, I think uh, to just do um, cool stuff and then report about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and yeah. I don't know, but that this is pretty much um, what I think,
1: you know, and, yeah. and 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 one is it's never sh- sure, hundred uh, percent certain yeah. about the things. But, but isn't it? Isn't it so? Also, that uh, or what do you think about? Um, I've been thinking this uh, about this a lot, like how to how to actually uh, complete things, and um, and uh, somehow kind of. Kind of the mindset where where we think that uh, we we do things, and this is what I also, if I when I have master thesis students, I I also um, recommend them to do is to just day after day do these exercises, do um, I mean I mean studies, um, of course uh, communicate all the time, but then then really make sure that uh, that all the time there is something. Also in the written form and in a shareable form and in a form that you can ask feedbacks, feedback for. Um, is this um, in line with uh, what, you, <laughs> what you think um,
0: of how yeah. writing
1: can be or should be?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I think that's uh, pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, I, the, the most interesting circuits of communications are those who have feedback processes um in between. So then you share with someone and and the idea starts to get amplified and, and and reaches places where you haven't thought before. I think that's the best thing that could happen to someone um writing creative or writing a, a master, bachelor thesis or mm-hmm. even higher um studies. Um so yeah, but, but I mean, in order to accomplish tasks and, and actually, as I say, like be functional, um, I think, um, yeah, one of the best ways is, is to share, uh, to have like a kind of a and follow up that change of, uh, of uh, debates and discussions about the topic. Um, I think recommendation system, for example, from AI are pretty much of help for that. <laughs> Like sometimes if you follow Mm. some people uh, um, on different platforms, then you kind of get updated about uh, what's the state of the art. Um, But it's not enough. Mm. It's not just about listening what they say. You have to also uh, do something about this. And and, and if possible, share it. Mm. I think this is a very, very, very important thing to share and, and try to, as I said before, let the message get across Mm-hmm. And it, it will, mm-hmm. it will of course be distorted along the time. I mean, no thinker in human history has remained with the, with the same mindset that he had when it started. Its, its uh, research or whatever processing, they always change uh, opinions and ideas along time because that's the richness I think of creating something like it. You know that it will be transformed along the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, agree with that. I mean, it was just uh, thanks for sharing that because I just started to think about uh, <laughs> my journey and uh, and uh, it's uh, I can identify very very different kinds of thinking, but I mean it's also some similarities in in different times, but, uh, but are but so so different. I mean, basically, um, one essential difference is, for example, where to invest uh, one's own time too, right? I mean, because at some point we are. Interested in something, and then later on, you are perhaps not that super interested about it anymore. Yeah, you want to invest uh, time in I don't know learning something else, and then, then your thinking might also then uh, differ. Um, hey, about learning, uh, I'm very curious to hear um, what did you learn last time or can you remember or identify <laughs> what did um, you learn last time and uh, also how did you learn it? Is it? Was it uh, via online, some platform or just, I don't know, somewhere else?
0: Um, this is some, a, a complicated one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because as I say, I, I, I tend to learn and forget yeah, pretty easily. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but... I would say one of the major things I learned is um to communicate um and to and to formalize uh, my ideas outside of the box like outside of the comfortable sum from people who have the same or pretty much uh, similar ideas to me um actually I I would say like what I learned last time is from people who are not from the field, are not even academics at all. Like those are people who um you share an idea with and they have some kind of maybe not the conceptual or the methodological background, but they do have a certain intuition about the problems. And I think that had um uh, from my view enriched many, many of things many of the things that I am dealing with. Um, and how did i i learn it i think um well just communicating um most of the time i i, I would say like it's uh via platforms like this one um, but yeah like it's um, my whole environment is quite digital i would say <laughs> with the whole isolated <laughs> uh, covid phenomena I mean, I am a product of this, and my thesis will be a product of this time. You know, <laughs> it's a completely
1: yeah.
0: it's a completely, I would say, work uh, processed in times of COVID. Um, so, resemblance with reality will be for certain um, um, clear. I would say, like you could realize that mm-hmm. it's a. This is a thesis
1: written in pandemic times. Um, yeah, yeah, and I mean, think about—I mean, how what led us also to have this conversation was basically this online era and uh, online event, the learning with AI event, and uh, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's
0: just yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah. So, and it's—it's
0: it's amazing, so. yeah, and and I think we have to. To remain quite uh, open up to to the changes that we will experience. As I say, there there mm. there is already. I mean, m- most of the philosophers who embrace um, embrace this idea of um, as as sorry they point out of a h- hyper historical condition, or that they face this, uh, the philosophical aspects from. Um, how machines interact within each other in in order to create a whole system. And from that system comes out like algorithm mediation that will profoundly change the human perspective. Um, I think people have to remain awake to this idea because uh, we are already playing the game. It's not like we can run away and... I mean, you can, Mm -hmm. of course, live in the forest and do whatever, but... I mean, most of the people are interfaced by these technologies, and so the whole mindset will be i think reshaped by it and it's
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: up uh, it's mm-hmm. up to us it's up to our responsibility to again generate the right uh conditions for it.
1: Mm-hmm. That very um beautiful thought and uh and uh. Couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's like uh, this. Um, I mean, human compared to human with AI, it's it's pretty clear that human with AI is is quite much po- more powerful. So quite a lot more powerful. So um, and when it comes to, I don't know, navigating around the city or navigating in the information space and yeah, so yeah. It's a, uh, hey, I want to ask you, I mean, kind of a um, final question. And uh, we always ask this from all guests, because to mean, this is Cloud Reaches podcast. Um, cloud meaning like Dream or you know, online as well, or some idea that is somewhere there to be reached out. So who do you think, uh, or which can be also organization or unit or even company, so who could be a cloud-reacher in your own field, in AI or philosophy or philosophy of AI, um, kind of bringing the field forward?
0: Yeah, um, well, um, I think there are many, of course, uh, from both sides, uh, because as, as you know, this is kind of an interdisciplinary approach. Mine, I have to be aware of the technical side. Of AI, but also like the philosophical one, and on the philosophical uh, aspect, I would say like there are many emerging uh, and interesting philosophers, like uh, especially those who embraced uh, this line of thought that I mentioned before. You know, this uh, whole machine-to-machine communication um, and relation that spread out from it, um, like uh, Bruno Latour or Graham Harman, Timothy Morton, like. Uh, Many of the people are like within the movement called uh, speculative realism, or I think it's also like speculative materialism. So this is uh, quite contemporary and uh, really powerful to think about new conditions. And there is also like, I, I don't know, some others like uh, that picture, the the field, um, of AI and philosophy quite good, like um, Matteo Pasquinelli. He also works uh, in Germany. And then on the the technical side, I would say, because I always mix uh, both uh, sides, Um, it's um, Lev Manovic. He he made recently an article called Representing Phenomena as Data. And I think it's, yeah, this is also super interesting. Um, And Argentina has as well, like many of my colleagues are really pushing the field forward. They are going to actually present a book uh, next year called uh, A Glossary of Philosophy of Technics. And actually I contributed to it. So um, it will be, I think it will kind of show the picture of of the state of the art where we are and and bring up new questions about um, the current state. (laughs) So, yeah, and, and for for that, um, for my Argentinian colleagues, there are like people who I mentioned before, like Javier Blanco, who is uh, my mentor from there, uh, Manolo. Manolo is Pablo Rodriguez. Um, he translated uh, Simon John, for example, to Spanish, and, yeah, and many others as well. So, yeah, this is a little bit the picture of uh, the kind of people I follow and I... Um, and I discuss, I would say, um, to enrich the view of AI.
1: (laughs) Thanks. That's a magnificent list of of people and also readings. I mean, you mentioned also book and articles, so so i absolutely check those.
0: I'm forgetting something that I I think it could be pretty much of use for many people researching on the field, I'm sorry that I interrupt you, but I, no, I, was, no, forgetting.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was forgetting <laughs> that, that there are actually now um, researchers from the MIT, they released, um, I think it's just called the st- uh, state-of-the-art AI or something like that. Yeah, I think it's state-of-the-art AI. And... They trace the whole, uh, they are still doing it, uh, but you can see the picture of how all the models of AI are evolving along the time. And I think um, this is also quite useful for people researching on the area.
1: Mm. I will check it. Is it a visualization or is yeah, it Yeah, it's a, a beautiful kind of visualization.
0: Or... Um, I would share, I think I got right now yeah, here I...
1: the link. Please share yeah, a yeah. link and I'll, I'll post it to also the, <laughs> the uh-huh. description of the podcast cool. and, uh, and if there is, depending on the platform, there is like, yeah.
0: Different.
1: but by the way, we are planning now a website for the podcast. So then, of course, then we have more space for posting all the links. So uh, let's add it, add it there. Great. I already shared the link. <laughs> oh, in the, in the chat or yeah.
0: where did you?
1: Yeah, in the chat okay yeah. <laughs> wow this is this is great thanks uh, looks awesome I'll share a link to the description of the of the um episode and uh perhaps i mean one thing I've been thinking uh just recently is that uh, perhaps we could do um kind of visual versions of this podcast episode as well later on i mean no hurry with that or anything but like like adding visuals, uh, then later on, and this could be one <laughs> yeah. visual then to add there.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. So,
1: yeah. let's see. I mean, it's uh, okay. Nice to hear if you like the idea. Let's let's perhaps <laughs> plan a kind of visual version of this of this podcast and uh, and uh, kind of another way of uh, doing videos because traditional videos are doing simultaneously with the audio, but why not uh, first record the audio and then kind of.
0: Adding I don't some, want to
1: use the word decoration, but I mean like, like yeah,
0: yeah.
1: adding the visual layer on top of that. It's
0: I, was just, I, I think it's it's a good idea, and actually, one can actually I think picture what it's been saying through like an image that condenses the idea. I think that's uh, really interesting because mm-hmm. now it, I, I think we are on a very on a very uh, visualized culture, so. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And and look at all these slides. I mean, they are basically just visuals, and uh, but typically they don't have the soundtrack at all. So it's just the visuals, right? Mm. So just thinking. Well, and by the way, this is also the reason for having this podcast in the first place—to to really have these conversations and and, and um, let people share their thoughts uh, via audio, I mean, via the voice let them voice out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm very yeah. I'm very thankful uh, to you for for <laughs> this opportunity. It's actually my very, very, very first
1: podcast. <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you are amazing. <laughs> just amazing conversation. Oh, thanks. I,
0: thanks. Um, I
1: so appreciate, I highly appreciate that you uh, joined me on this episode. This has been amazing. I have learned so much and uh, I don't know, just just beautiful stuff. So, thanks so much. Oh,
0: thank you, thank you very much. And I, I also highly appreciate that the, the the exchange of ideas. And I'm I, looking forward for exchanging a bit more. I mean, it's a very short period of, of a short uh, time frame for expressing you know. But I think we could, I, I think <laughs> we could still discuss some of it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, let's, uh, Belen, let's have uh, another episode and uh, come back anytime and uh, let's also think of other forms of of communications be it um, video i mean video layer. as we were talking about this uh, about um, adding a layer to the podcast or i don't know there is so many other ways of of collaboration let's get back on those
0: yeah cool yeah i i'm very glad for and would like pretty much <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah. So. Excellent. Hey, thanks so much, and uh, and um, uh, that's it, uh, listeners. Um, hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Um, stay tuned for new episodes. There is uh, more to come. Uh, we are now recording at uh, a very active uh, way uh, these episodes, and, and also planning to streamline the the uh, podcast recordings and uh, and um, publishing them hearing them uh, kind of very soon after the recording. So stay tuned, take care, stay safe, ciao.